RWJ Barnabas Health Telemed offers you two convenient ways to see a doctor anytime, anywhere, without having to come in for an appointment. If you're in need of urgent care, you can use our app to connect with a provider 24-7, right on your smartphone, tablet, or computer. Or you can use our website to schedule a virtual visit with an RWJ Barnabas Health Medical Group provider or specialist. And you can even register as a new patient. Book an appointment online at rwjbh.org slash telemed. Your safety has always been our top priority, and we've taken every precaution. So don't delay your care any longer. Get started today at rwjbh.org slash telemed. RWJ Barnabas Health. Let's be healthy together. Everybody, I'm Matt Lachlan, along with Amanda Stein and Rob Lapolis joining us for this special edition of Speak of the Devils, presented by RWJ Barnabas Health, the official health care provider of the New Jersey Devils. And we know what's going on. We can't avoid the elephant in the room. The New Jersey Devils have been in a pause as we record this, hopefully coming out of it in the near term. But Amanda and Rob, we do have hockey to talk about. The Binghamton Devils have gotten off to a terrific start. Rob, tell us what's gone on in the first two games. Uh, they've waited until the third period, Matt. Um, it's, and, uh, you know, head coach Mark Dennehy would say, you oh, it makes it a little uncomfortable, but, uh, you know, for watching a game and, and broadcasting a game, it's, it's some good drama to start the, the season, but it all, it all got started uh, against the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. That was one of the postponed games that Binghamton had. And it was on Monday at five o'clock. It was just so weird. Uh, I know we had talked about it, you know, what'll it be like? broadcasting a, a game and with no one in the crowd. And it, it, once the puck dropped, it was, uh, it, it was a hockey game, right. And you just kind of, the crowd's not really there. And, but Mark was joking because I, I said, Hey, were you used to the glass coming out? Like you didn't lean back. Right. And he goes, no, he goes, I sat down on the board. So he, he took a, he took a seat there, which is, which is fine. But uh, it was, it was a great start. And, and, you know, I know Mark likes to, you know, he said, Hey, it, it, they'll have the ebbs and flows, ups and downs. They're the rookies, but I mean, we, got to look at it, you know, from the media side of things and what a great start the, the young guys had. And, um, you know, just looking at, at Kevin ball last night uh, on the Wednesday game against the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. And then, uh, Nikita Ahochuk as well. It, it's, uh, it's exciting stuff to watch. I know it's just two games. Uh, the, Overtime is is fun. It's a shortened season, Matt and Amanda. Why not play some more hockey? Supposed <laughs> to, you know. And one of the things that I was really excited about was um, having you here because you and I we work, you know, a lot hand in hand over the course of the season. But we never see each other because you're in Binghamton and I'm here. But we touch base a lot about because there's so much crossover there. So what's it been like for you to be here in New Jersey, um, sort of uprooting your to come do the job that you love. Well, first off, Amanda, I, you're in my favorites. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's a big deal. Um, so coming down here, it's been awesome. Uh, it was a long time away. Yeah. Uh, you know, a, a lot of people obviously had had it worse and, and still do. 
but you know, I just, we needed something, you know, and, and hockey is it. And so, uh, packed up, drove down and, and, you know, it's, it's been fantastic and, uh, it's, it's great being here. And, you know, obviously you gotta, you know, you, you can't really do what I would normally want to do. Yep. Go down to the, I want to go to the city every day, but, uh, can't try to, you know, be safe about it and, and still get the job done. But it, it's been fantastic and, uh, super grateful that, uh, I, I got called down and, uh, Matt told me about this thing called the Taylor ham sandwich, which changed my life, Amanda. It changed my life. Yeah. Um, the back, the background is uh, <laughs> earlier, a few weeks ago, you know, Rob, uh, along with the rest of the team, they're housed nearby, but not in the city, however, nearby. And we were just talking about that old argument, you know, pork roll or Taylor ham. And, you know, he heard about it, but didn't really know about it. I said, there's got to be a place. I guarantee there's a deli within walking distance of where you're staying that if you walk in, you will have the opportunity to get a Taylor ham and cheese sandwich on a bagel, uh, an egg, Taylor ham, egg and cheese on a bagel. Uh, and so he goes, oh, I'm going to try that tomorrow, I believe it was. You oh, yeah. At least this yes. weekend. Now, tell everybody, you, you didn't just go for the Taylor ham, egg and oh, cheese boy. on a bagel. Well, I... <laughs> So I, I looked up a deli and it was, it was a little drive. So I, I went down there okay. and uh, up in the West orange area and I walk in and, you know, I, you order like a, a breakfast sandwich, you know, and you, you think that it comes with some things. Well, I, I go, you know, pretending like I knew what I was talking about. I go, give me one of those Taylor hams, please. And <laughs> the person, she goes, is that it? And I, it was like this, awkwardness i'm like what do you mean is that it and she goes well do you want it it's just the ham and i'm like oh okay well what do people normally get on it and she was like well you could get eggs i go yeah she goes cheese yeah i'll take some cheese and then she just started listening <laughs> before i knew what happened i was engulfed in this uh egg cheese Taylor ham, which I didn't realize was like really thick, uh, sausage links, bacon. And I felt my arteries just clogging. <laughs> I was eating it. Love it. And I was like, I have to finish this. I can't, <laughs> I don't want to disappoint that. So I was like, I have to finish this. Uh, I didn't eat for maybe a day <laughs> and a half, two days, but I'm going to have another one. I promise you it's, it's coming up soon. That is a That's meat lover so sandwich. Funny. <laughs> You order something and like you just I don't know I normally if I say you know I'll, I'll have one of the you know sausage breakfast sandwich yeah yeah you know it with, you know egg and and all this and it was like I mean it was like size of a Big Mac almost. that is so funny Maddie I'm glad you you prompted that story it's great what the, but get the thin sliced I'm a thin sliced when I ate meat I was a thin sliced Taylor ham guy. I'm not a big thick slice guy. Oh, it was. I don't know what I texted you, Matt, because I was probably like passed out on the couch after. <laughs> it was a very. It was a very grateful message that well, I. I was. A, that's a welcome. It. Welcome to New Jersey. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. So, so let me ask you this, both of you, actually, because you both do a similar job. Um, Rob, let's start with you. You mentioned it a little bit, but what is it like? 
let's first question. What is it like calling a game after 10, 11 months off? And B, what's, or two, what's it like uh, with no crowd to play off of? Uh, right away, you know, it was 300 and something days since we had had a game. It was March 11th, the last one right. prior to, to Monday. Uh, you, I mean, once the puck drops, you, you kind of get back into it. I'd say the timing, you know, commercials, how long to do intermissions, interviews, all that fun stuff. And then, uh, a lot, I had a lot of cough drops. I actually go through about 10 to 15 cough drops every game. Wow. Yeah. So I I had that. And then, um, you know, uh, just the waters. And I think that was uh, pretty much the, the gist of it. Yeah. For me, the odd part is no crowd obviously at home, but there is a buildup at Prudential center where warmups take place. Organ music is being played. Announcements are being made. The lights are on. There are a few more people in the building. And so there's a sense water bottles on the bench, et cetera you're building to something. The momentum toward puck drop is there. And so the emotions start to kind of really come alive. For the road games, because we're broadcasting them from Prudential Center, which is empty, and you're calling it off a TV, it's a different kind of vibe altogether because there's not those external little notions of how what's about to happen here how this game is going to unfold however once the game starts in both cases you're so focused on the game and the nhl has done a great job of providing uh synthetic sound effects that you do feel like it's a game you're just calling a game but it's it it is far different that's for sure the the one difference that i noticed in helping with the intermissions and listening uh, to you and chico call the game is the crowd noise is that really helps for me personally, where the, the teams now are in Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, and and here there was no crowd noise. So, I mean, if it was, you know, just a lot of, you know, skating around and, and no, you know, a shot on net, you get the oohs and the ahs maybe out of a crowd. That was probably the, the biggest difference and, and not having a crowd, I would say, even the noise. Yeah, I I would say also from the perspective of, you know, what I do and watching, I I think for me, one of the weird things is, is, you know, obviously we're working. So sometimes you're looking down, writing something. And normally, like if the opposing team scores, there's a reaction. So, you know, to kind of look up right away, I, I will admit I've missed one or two goals because you're doing something, you're writing something and there's nothing like there's nothing to give you the indication that the other team has scored. I yeah, felt that anyways. No, it, you're right. It's it's a brand new world, that's for sure. Rob does a lot of things for the organization. He's also the media relations director for the Binghamton <laughs> Devils. He has joined Chico and me on a lot of our games so far, working the intermissions, and he's a welcomed addition to our broadcast team. So, you know, Rob, uh, keep up the good work. But we've got a man waiting in the wings who you know very well, Rob, and you will join Amanda and I as we continue our discussion about the Binghamton Devils as we uh, welcome in their head coach, Mark Bennett. And since there is hockey being played in Newark, it is our pleasure to speak with Two people who are intimately involved, the head coach of the Binghamton Devils, Mark Dennehy, and he's more than the play-by-play announcer, but that's how we will identify him, Rob Lopolis. Gentlemen, thanks very much for spending time with us today. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Amanda. And uh, happy birthday, Matt. 
Ah, Happy birthday, Maddie. Thank you so very much. Um, I'm glad to be here to celebrate it with you guys. <laughs> this is what I love to do. I love hockey and I love the devils and I'm looking forward to when we get back on the ice, but thank you very much uh, for the best wishes. So uh, Mark, as we were talking before we kick things off here, Good start to the season. You won the first two games, but as you pointed out, as a coach will, better start, but you had the good finish, and that's the important thing. We did. We did. And and at the end of the day, it is a uh, a result-oriented endeavor, and so it's about putting wins in the win column, which we, we've done uh, the first two games. Really like how we finished, and as a coach, um, you know, you really like when your team has, has a resilience, which we've already shown. Uh, you know, you, we would like to get off to some better starts, but with a, a young group, oftentimes they like to dip their toe in a little bit. There's a little bit of uncertainty when the game starts. Uh, but once they, they recognize that, that hey, you know, we're, we can play with these guys, uh, we get up and running, and, and I've liked finishes. This team has moved to Newark to play its season. Uh, while identified, rightly so, as the Binghamton Devils, you're not playing in Binghamton. Can you just take us through everything that's taken place to get you to this point? Well, you know, it, it, I, I, feel, I feel bad for Binghamton in a sense because of how we finished last year. You know, uh, it's a great hockey town. And, um, you know, uh, the, the year prior, uh, the two years prior, we really uh, – we didn't make the playoffs and, and uh, you know, the seasons were, were short. Uh, it looked last year like we were poised to make a run, a run that they deserve to see. And then that gets cut short. And with all that happened with the pandemic, um, the, the, just the ability to play at the AHL level was in question. Um, and so a lot went into bringing us here. And, and uh, but from day one, Fitzy made a point of saying, we're going to play. You know, we've got a lot of young guys and you've heard Tom talk about draft and develop, draft and develop. Um, we, we were committed to playing and luckily enough uh, and more than luck, uh, the organization put the resources together to have us here. Uh, we have a great facility. Uh, we're able to do it with um, separation, um, although we're following the same NHL protocol. Uh, I think it's great for the for management because they get to oversee the development. They get to see it on a day to day basis. Um, the resources here are fantastic, whether it's the, the training facilities, the athletic, uh, uh, the weight room, obviously, uh, to be able to skate at the Pru is great. Uh, and then with all that's gone on with COVID, the ability to move players from the AHL to the taxi to the, to the big club, to, uh, you know, and have that proximity, I think is beneficial as well. What do you hope that your players are taking out from this experience in all those things that you just mentioned? Well, first, just to see how dedicated this organization is uh, to their development. Um, I know that, that Dan McKinnon and um, our development staff has worked tirelessly over the last 10 months. Uh, th this wasn't wasted time uh, during the pandemic. They worked really hard to put together, uh, uh, revamp the development program. Uh, and so it's, it's much more individualized. And so being here, they get to monitor that. Um, but also just being around the NHL guys, you know, yeah. the guys that were lucky enough to come to main camp, uh, got to see how, uh, Lindy and his, and his staff want to run things. Um, you know, oftentimes just watching the veteran players is as good a teaching component as actually the coaches. So, uh, to see some of the, and, and then also to, to, to say, Hey, look, 
you know, you look at look at uh, Igor Sharangovich, look at Nate Bastian, Mike McLeod. Uh, these are guys that that spent significant time in the American Hockey League that are there. So it's attainable to them. It's something that they feel like they can touch. And I think that's uh, that can be a motivating factor as well. And it's interesting this year, you know, for all the things that you said, but now at the NHL and AHL level, you're dealing with a taxi squad, which really, you know, can put you in a position where out of nowhere, you know, some of your best players will be with the NHL team, whether it's on the taxi squad or not. So what is that like for you as a coach? You know, obviously things are very early for both seasons. Um, What is that like for you? And how do you think that'll challenge your group of players? Well, I would say our staff was prepared uh, year one. We, I, <laughs> That's we true. Coached, we coached 50 players. Uh, we That's had eight true. goalies that year. Um, I mean, it was, you know, a who's who of, you know, <laughs> who's who's with us today. Um, so uh, that's that's the nature of the job. You know, as I like to tell these guys, you know, our, our we've got two jobs at the American Hockey League level. Number one is to do, is to develop the assets. And number two is to uh, help cultivate a, a winning culture within the organization, one that that Lindy's and Fitzy are setting the tone for. Um, and and it, they're not mutually exclusive. It's together. It, we're trying to do that together. We're trying to work on on helping each of these players achieve their goals and also uh, put a winning product on the ice. So, you know what? Uh, we come in, we see who's with us, and and it doesn't change our approach. Now, Mark, uh, you know, I, I talked with Binghamton's GM, Dan McKinnon, yesterday, and he brought up a, a great point with, you know, these guys now get to they're practicing with the NHL skaters as well. And, and being so close, they can move, you know, go practice one day, come right back, playing a game the other day. Uh, that is a benefit that you had mentioned for for being so close this season. But you, you look at the the taxi squad and it's it's a it's a cool thing, I, I think, to to see these guys and to have these guys up there and, and practicing and maybe even getting in a game. It, it really is, you know, and and um, uh, again, uh, you know, we want to get back uh, to, to, to Binghamton and, and um, you know, it meant a lot to our organization to be there. But the proximity here in this environment during a pandemic, uh, I think we're really taking advantage of it, you know, for Kevin Ball to be able to, like you said, go from literally practicing with the NHL guys to playing his first professional game with us last night um, and and we're doing it safely. You know, we're following the NHL protocols. Um, there is definitely separation. Uh, the building provides for that, which is, which is really important. Um, the, the organization has funded it so that we can do that. I don't know that every AHL team is, uh, but that's invaluable. You know, I think, uh, actually, I think we got a couple guys going up to the taxi squad today. Uh, we at the American Hockey League level have a day off, and these guys are, are skating with the, some of the NHL guys. So, um, they're really hard to replicate. Off day like for you, Mark? Um, well, my family's still in Boston. So, uh, one of the things I've dedicated myself to is if I'm going to be away from my family, I'm going to be digging in. So, uh, to, to quote Bill Belichick, who I'm sure isn't very popular in the, in the uh, Tri-City area, uh, no days off. So, the players get a day off and they need it uh, physiologically to get ready. Um, you know, we're breaking down video. We actually have a development call later today. Um, you know, so it's, it's a lot of video. Um, I, I have met with a player already today. Uh, uh, and then 
we're going to talk about development and I'm going to spend some time with, with Danny Mack talking uh, about our first two games and, and what I liked and, and, you know, what I'd like to see differently. Um, so it, it's busy, uh, but it's not on the ice. I'm not putting my skates on. That's probably the only difference. What, you know, you're, you're going to have a conversation with Danny Mack about the first two games. So maybe you can share with us what your thoughts were on those first two games to, you know, really also to just finally be back behind a bench coaching must have felt really good for you. <laughs> it, it did, Amanda. It, it really did. Um, but it, listen, much like the players, uh, I, I'll, I'll be candid. There's rust, yeah. you know, situations occur that, that, um, you try to be prepared for everything, right? Um, but situations occur and it's like, oh, wow. Yeah, geez, uh, <laughs> you know, and and as good a job as we've done resource-wise, we're still building things, whether we've got a new video coach, um, there's a lot of logistical stuff that go behind the scenes during games, whether it's a, you know, face-off report or scoring chances and uh, even just our video, um, you know, the first, game we had we were shooting behind the netting and so we're watching game video the next day and and you know it, it's you feel like if you're in a zoo looking through the cages <laughs> um so they brought in a lift and th there's still a lot of fine tuning to be done we're two games in but it, but I've, I've really been impressed with the the extent to which the organization's willing to go to make this the best situation possible has there, has there been, sorry, Rob, has there been anyone, I mean, again, it's two games, but you have a couple guys there who were making their debuts in the pros in those first two games. So maybe if you can, you know, give us an impression of Kevin Ball, Nolan Foote, these guys, or even Riley Walsh, who yep. they've got now their first two professional games under their belt. I, I think all of the, the, the young guys have, have shown well, uh, obviously Nolan, Nolan scoring early on, uh, and, and getting multiple chances. Um, you know, we've got them playing with Streeter and, and scenes two uh, veteran guys. Uh, and, and it's always a good sign when, when they're excited to play with him, I think mm -hmm. they see in him the, the potential. Um, but then you go through the, the D for, for rookie defense. I mean, we played four rookie defensemen last night out of six, a wow. second year guy in Jeremy Grillo and Colton White's our vet at 23 years old. So um, you know, we're really young back there, but, but um, Riley Walsh has shown, shown you flashes of what he can do with the puck. Mike Vukajevic has come in and, and, and really uh, uh, opened our eyes, his size, his mobility, Kevin ball after not skating for a week jumps into his first pro game and, and again, you see, he made a play in the third period where, to, where a guy was able to get a step on him. He kind of lost an edge. And we were laughing because it was like an inspector gadget arm <laughs> just kept reaching and reaching and and just chipped the puck away. Uh, and that's not even, you know, Nikita uh, Okutuk has, I mean, from, from his first day at the main camp, you come to a game he's playing and yeah. you can't help but notice him. So all these guys have, have, have shown well. That doesn't mean they've played uh, perfectly. You know, like I said, uh, uh, to Matt before we, we opened up, I feel like these young guys, you know, it's their first go around with a lot of these teams that they're kind of dipping their toe in, um, as they become more established players. I think when the puck drops, they'll be more prepared to go. Now coach, uh, pretty much maybe a no brainer to put a ball and a whole two back. <laughs> well, if by no brainer, you mean, I didn't think of it, then yes, it, it was, uh, I've got to give props to, to coach parent. Um, 
you know, initially we were thinking of putting him with Whitey because obviously Whitey's a calming influence and a veteran. Um, but but Ryan thought that just the familiarity of playing with yeah. Nikita would be would would just get him right in. It was great. As soon as he mentioned it, you know, I'm I'm at least smart enough to recognize good ideas. I might not have them, but. Uh, <laughs> But it was great, and and you could just see the comfortable, uh, the comfortable play. Um, you know, they they know where each other are, um, because neither of them is right shot. You even saw some interchange where they would switch and seamlessly pick up for for the other guy. So I thought that was a, a well done. Now I know you know Ball is he's a monster, but a Hotuk they say 194 pounds, but watching him, he looks like he plays like he's 220. You know, I don't know how much a bullet weighs, but when it's shot with that type of velocity, it can do a lot of damage. Like he <laughs> threw a hit last night. Like when he hits people, it's, I mean, it, it's like a, a bullet. I mean, he just puts all his force behind it. So he might be 192 pounds stationary. Um, but but when you involve physics, he, he literally uh, it plays a lot bigger than that. And like I said before, you can't go to a game he's playing in and not notice him. And for the, you know, the rookies in, in that first game at Wilkes-Barre Scranton, you go in, there's, you know, a lot of hype on it and six combined points and they were plus seven combined in that game. I mean, that's a fantastic start for the, the youngsters. It is, it is. And, and you know, we, <laughs> we've all got to temper our excitement. They're, they're rookies and there'll be ebbs and flows. There'll be highs and lows and, um, you know, it, it's just keeping an even keel and, and hopefully making continued progress. Uh, but but uh, I'm excited about their approach, you know, um, as a coach, it, it's so refreshing. You know, there, there was a TV or a media timeout last night and we were getting a little bit running around and I tried, you know, called the guys in and, and you know, you got the vets attention, but, they, you know, they got thoughts going through their mind. You look down the bench at the four rookie defensemen and they're just like, just locked in. Like, you know, so as a coach, you try to take advantage of that as long as you can, because it does dissipate as time goes on. Um, their energy is wonderful. Um, and, and it brings a lot of life to the room. So much discussion has taken place and in, including that, which we've just discussed about the young players. But if you don't have the veterans showing the way, uh, in uh, playing that calming influence when the waters get a little rough and then they come through as they did last night uh, with both goals coming from veteran guys, they have not given up on their thoughts that they can get some more time in the NHL. But That's right. These are AHL guys who are there to be those leaders. Can you discuss how critical it is for any team to have that kind of veteran leadership that totally understands its role. Yep, they still want another chance. They've had some opportunities. Yep. But realistically, the future is the ones that they're breaking in. So how how does that impact the success that you have having that kind of leadership? It's it's a great point, Matt, and I think sometimes goes understated. Um, you know, whether it's Ben Street, who um, again, you look at, at these times, you know, I'm sure he's looking saying, hey, I, I, I'm – I hope to get another chance in the NHL with all that's going on with this pandemic, the taxi squad, you know, there's a likelihood of that. Um, you know, Brett Sini, who, uh, uh, you know, I've known since he was 17 years old and, and just is 
he's not, if he's on the ice, it's passion. Like that's, he just brings it to every shift. Colton White, who's been a calming influence. And, and I just, I thought he was great last night. Um, you know, you need those guys to set the tone when things, you know, when, when, when things get a little disheveled uh, to be able to look down the bench at, at Orion Schmelzer or uh, Danique Martel guys that have been there. Um, you know, uh, you look at Travis St. Dennis, who we brought in this year and Cam Darcy, that's why they're here. They're here for an opportunity, right? They're here, uh, uh for another chance maybe to get to the NHL. Um, but they also understand that, that part of that is mentorship for these young guys. Um, and, and they've been wonderful. Uh, like I said before, that's really, oftentimes these young players learn more from, from their teammates than they do the coaches, you know, and they're really drawn to those guys, a guy like, um, a guy like Ben street, they, you know, you watch him and, and he's so effective out there. Uh, Brett Sini, um, automatically they've got the young players attention just because of their abilities. They respect their game. And, um, they're too, you know, we've got a lot of guys in that room that are, that are, they're there for a reason. We brought those guys in or, or uh, they, they've got leadership. Uh, they've got letters on their jerseys because we want them to emulate uh, the young players to emulate how they go about their business. One thing that you and I have talked about before is that, you know, you're coaching and you're playing a season with no championship at the end, right? There's no Calder cup that's going to be played. So just given the circumstances. So what is that like? coaching where you know you've got these players who their whole lives they've been in competition you know working towards a championship so is this season a lot driven by passion for the game maybe at an even higher level just because what is the ultimate goal you know what uh another great question um you know I think one of the things that everybody took away from this pandemic is, is gratitude for what we have uh, and, and probably um, uh, a longing for what we missed. So, you know, it, it was hard. Uh, it was really hard last week when we had two games postponed um, because it was 10 months in the making. You could just, I mean, I, I you know, the, the practice before I said, you know, we need an opponent cause we're sick of each other. Um, <laughs> And then to have to get to the the precipice and have it pulled away. And um, yeah, that passion is these guys have been putting skates on, you know, some of them since they were two years old. It's, it's what they long to do as a coach. You know, you want to be behind the bench. You want to be that, that competition. So we're just embracing it for what it is. You know, we feel lucky that we're playing. And I think everybody in our locker room feels that way as well. And it goes back to to um, to Fitzy and and the organization and their commitment. We we were playing come hell or high water. Yeah. I mean, if we had to 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 just scrimmage against each other, uh, you know, developing the young players and and creating opportunities for the vets to continue to play was something they were committed to. And and uh, I think that has been the the driving force. You talk about developing young players. And one thing you have this year that you haven't in the past is a full-time goalie coach with Brian Eklund. Um, you've told me that, you know, obviously you're the whole team's coach, but goalies speak a different language and they speak it to each other. <laughs> so, so what is, you know, what is the benefit for you, your team and the organization as a whole to have someone like Brian come in? Um, you know, all you need to do is ask the goaltenders and, and I yeah. have, and, and, and 
you know, Corms, I said, how's it going with that? And oh, it's, um, it's so, it's such a resource. It's been great. You know, um, <laughs> I tell our goalies all the time. I say, you know, you've got the simplest job on our team. It's not the easiest, but it's the simplest. Stop the puck. So that's all I know about goaltending. <laughs> stop the puck. Um, and, but Brian's able to take it further and really talk to them about, uh, you know, it's, it's such a well-coached position. I think it's really been one of the biggest changes in the game is how well coached these goalies are. Um, you know, it, it, it's building their toolbox so that they've got a number of different saves and then working with them to, to recognize when a, a certain save needs to be made. Um, and so he's able to speak that language and he's, he's, he's very good at it. Um, you know, and I've gotten to know him and I, I knew of him. He's from the Boston area and very well respected. Um, you know, he's, he's helped a number of goaltenders get to the NHL level and he's come in and, and he's really earned our goalies respect right off the get go. And um, it's just another great, like oftentimes goalies are forgotten. So we put a practice together. I'm sitting with Sarge and Ryan, we put a practice together, you know, and, and if we don't have a goalie guy there at the end of it, you know, it's like, well, geez, what's the goalie getting out of this? He's either getting riddled with pucks that he can't even prepare for because it's a puck, a puck, a puck, or um, he's getting nothing. And so it's great to have, you know, the, the gold, they, they like to call themselves the goaltenders union. I'll, I'll say more. It's more like a lobby. Uh, it's good to have the goal, a representative from the goaltenders lobby in there to say, Hey, can we maybe take some shots away here? Or we need to, this guy needs to get some pucks. Um, and, and Brian's been very good at that. And uh, coach, it, it showed Evan Cormier um, in that game last night against, uh, you know, for that overtime win. I thought he was fantastic uh, against the Phantoms. That was really a, a back and forth goaltending battle. And he made some huge saves right down the stretch. Well, you know, when, when you're not, when you don't get out of the gate quickly, which our first two games, I, I think it's fair to say that's the case. Um, you know, you need your goaltender to, to, to stand tall early and, and, um, and both nights he has, you know, and, and he's given us really, that's what you want out of your goaltender. You want him to give you a chance to win every night. And, and, and Corms has done that both games. Now, when you come into the season, you might say, okay, you know, Gilles Sen was the number one coming into the season, but uh, right now it, it just seems like, you know, that was Cormier's net to, to start. And, and I think, you know, he's done great. He has, you know, and, and I know one of the things that, that, um, that, that Dan and Fitzy have worked on is, and you just look at, you know, Dell and, and, and uh, Comrie and, and Wedgie and Blackie and, you know, work really hard on goaltending depth, um, you know, so, and, and then you've got, uh, you know, you got Rogie at the NHL level, you've got Eck at the, at the American Hockey League level, you've got Clem and Marty overseeing it. Um, it's, they, they've really got, again, we've done a great job, I think, of, 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 uh, of tweaking our development model and at the, at the goaltending position, they're doing a great job. And it speaks to what uh, Evan has been able to do, taking advantage of an opportunity, which is that's right. Unfortunately, it came about because of the pandemic. But who would have seen necessarily if you if without the pandemic, if you lined it up in September, you wouldn't have necessarily said Evan Cormier is going to start the first two games. You would have looked at the strata and the structure and said it would have been Scott Wedgwood, whether or not he would have been with the team. Who knows without the pandemic? The that's point right. is it's changed everything around. 
And now Evans given an opportunity. So kudos to him for running with it. And it's a, it's a great lesson for the young players. You don't know when your number is going to be called. Um, so be prepared when it is, you know, and, and it, it, listen, to make it to the NHL is really hard and you don't get a lot of looks, you know, um, so you, you've got to be ready. And uh, to, to Evan's credit, um, the opportunities presented itself in the first two games and he's shown well. And, and, and what that usually does is it puts you in a position to get more opportunities. And if you Why talk about players, oh, go I'm ahead. sorry, at every level, players have trouble recognizing opportunity. Not every one of them, but many of them do for whatever reason. Coaches can say it. The media can reinforce it. You've got to make an impact. You've got to make the coach say something happened out there. Maybe not a goal, maybe not a save necessarily, but something that catches my eye. And there are guys who just can't figure that out. It just amazes me that. There are it, a number of guys who can't figure it out. You know, you're you're right, Matt. It's it, it's definitely a, a lesson, especially some younger guys need to learn. Is you don't get a lot of looks, you know, and and um, it's hard to differentiate yourself at this level too. Um, you know, you look at some of the guys that that have made it up that I've I've been lucky enough to coach. Um, for some of them, it's it's coming to grips with the role they're going to play at the next level because maybe they were something different at a younger level. Um, and for others, it's, it's, it was their ability to understand what their role was right away. You know, um, one of the things I always liked about Nate Bastian was he knew what his strengths were. He knew where his bread was buttered and, and really stuck to that type of game. For a lot of these younger guys, they're still trying to figure out what, what am I, you know, what can I be at the next level? Um, you know, and, and, and uh, you need a lot of parts to build a championship team, you know? Uh, so whether it's you're someone that's going to win a lot of face-offs, um, maybe it's someone that's tough to play against. Look at a guy like Ben Thompson, who last week was in Florida, right? In the, in the East coast league comes up, gets in a game, right? Answers the bell his first shift uh, against a big physical Lehigh Valley team. And I would say that sort of settled us down a little bit scores the tying goal like you want to talk about impact right you think he's got my attention absolutely <laughs> he's got my attention he's got Fitzy's attention he's got Dan's attention uh and he had Lehigh Valley's attention so uh you're right it's it's sort of finding finding your role uh and then being as good at that as possible so where does someone like Mike McLeod fit into that conversation? Because I've been with the team now for four years. He's always been someone that, you know, you hear the fans talk about when is he going to make it? You know, what more does he need to do? And this year, I mean, given we've only played a few games before things shut down for a while, he's made an impact now. And whether it's because he's playing with Nate Bashan and Miles Wood, he seems to have finally... I, this might be a little harsh, but accepting who he is as a player at an NHL level. You know, I think more than anything, it's, it's maybe his game just needed a little bit of time uh, uh, to, to uh, mature to that level. You know, he, he plays with, with such pace, right. And it's such a fast game. And, and the other thing is too, I, I think he really fits how Lindy wants that yeah. line to play. And it can be as simple as that, right? Uh, Lindy, Lindy has a, a, a sort of in, in his mind, this is what I'd like out of that line. And Mike is really fits that bill. 
You know, he's great on face-offs. He plays with a lot of energy. Um, and, and Matt talked about like, you, you know, taking advantage of your opportunity. He's not fun to play against. Like Mike McLeod is not fun to play against because he is going to be on you. He's going to lay a body on you. He doesn't care who you are. Um, so, and, and listen, our staff is really happy for him and happy for those guys because uh, we know how, how much they care about the game. He loves playing. Uh, so it's great to see him, you know, we're all vested in his success and uh, uh, we're really happy for him. One of the things when I was interviewing with uh, Dan McKinnon, I asked about the, the Bastions and, and the McLeods, uh, Sharon Govich, Kwokinen, and he brought up a good point where he said last year, when Nate and Mike were together in Binghamton, he goes, I was watching and and we were thinking this could really translate the way they play from Binghamton to New Jersey. They just needed someone on that line. And at the time it was Brandon Baddock, who's not with the devils anymore, but you look at the way Baddock plays and you look yep. at the way miles Wood plays very similar. And it has translated. It's, I mean, we used to start their line because it just sent the tone, you know, um, I think the Islanders call, uh, call it their identity line. Uh, I think Barry Trotz uses that, that term. Um, you know, they are not fun to play against. They're going to put pucks behind you uh, and they're going to get on you. And they've spent a, a way more time in the opponent zone than they do their own. Um, no, it was, we kind of called them the bash brothers, you know, uh, um, they, they've played together a long time, uh, with that familiarity, they know where each other's going to be. They're able to play off each other. Um, you know, and I, I think it was Scotty Bowman liked to put his lines together in pairs. So, Hey, if you've got two guys that are comfortable playing together, you might be able to bounce a third guy in and out of there. Um, I know that they've had different wingers, but, uh, the constant has been those two and, and they're pretty darn good together. Yeah. The results have shown in the early going and we, anxiously await them returning to yes. the ice. But for you, Mark Dennehy, it has been terrific. Uh, 2-0 start, work to be done. That's a coach's mantra. We get it. But uh, good luck the rest of the way. Before we let you go, though, I have to ask you this one last question. The last time we spoke with you, you were on your way, was it in Charleston, South Carolina, doing a college visit with your daughter? Your yes. Wife and your, your, your wife I forgot and your, about that. That's right. Yes. Your wife and yes. your daughter were kind enough to allow us to take some of your time, and they were quiet as we were doing the interview as uh, you were making your way there. How did that go And uh, as your daughter decided on a school? Well, I, I appreciate you remembering that, Matt. Uh, uh, my oldest daughter, Kelsey, is a senior. Um she did it. She's done a great job of really applying to different, different colleges. Uh, she has not decided, but I'm happy to say she has a number of choices, which we are very happy with. Um, so the, the choice won't be between good and bad. It'll be between good and what's best for her. Um, and, and now that I'm no longer working at the collegiate level, uh, I think finances may play a role as well uh, with the cost of post-secondary education. But, uh, Kels has done a great job and, um, you know, without, without the support of my wife, Heather and my girls, this would be a lot more difficult. Uh, and, and they've done a great job. So I appreciate you remembering that. And, uh, you'll know when next, next one, when she decides <laughs> with the hat, right? we do it, I'll have a, I'll have a hat on. It'll be like uh, ESPN coming out. <laughs> like awesome. LeBron, right. When That's like it. LeBron, yeah. <laughs> 
That's awesome. Well, look, congratulations and uh, to the family and to your daughter and whatever decision she makes. Sounds like she's got her choice among a, a lot of great options and uh, continued su success to you uh, with the Binghamton Devils, Mark. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Amanda. Thanks, Rob. Really appreciate it. Congrats on the new house, honey. What's this? Carbon monoxide detectors? Yeah, put one on every level. Because you can't see or smell carbon monoxide. And when fuel-burning appliances aren't working right, CO can build up and be deadly. Guys, I'm on it. We just want to know you're safe. At PSENG, we're committed to your family's safety. Know how to prevent carbon monoxide poisoning. If your CO detector goes off, leave immediately. Then call 911. Protect the ones you love. Learn more at PSEG.com slash gas safety. Payroll processing, time and attendance, HR systems, and a different approach to customer service creates what PrimePoint calls the PrimePoint experience. From your first interactions with PrimePoint, you'll notice the difference. And once you become a customer, you'll experience the difference. Painless transition to PrimePoint service. Hold time that averages 7 seconds. You'll never be treated like a number. And you'll get quick, accurate responses to calls and emails from PrimePoint's live U.S.-based customer support. Check it out at PrimePoint.com. Well, clearly, Mark Dennehy and his wife uh, have uh, their daughter on the right path, their children on the right path, and the oldest, Kelsey, with a great opportunity that lies ahead of her. Rob, it's been terrific to get to know you a little bit more on this podcast, to get your perspective on what's going on with the Binghamton Devils. What lies ahead? A lot of home games, right? Yeah, I mean, we we consider them pretty much all the way games if you think about it. But uh, that's a good point. At, at Binghamton, but it's it's exciting. Glad to be able to to have the fans back in Binghamton, able to to watch and and still listen to the games and and again still watch them and and keep tabs. And you know, there's a lot of excitement for this. Uh, a lot of games coming up, and and uh, it's 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 fun. It's good to be back, and and you know it. Hockey's awesome, and and just happy to have the guys back out on the ice. Absolutely, and Amanda, for you and me, excitement because the Devils have gotten off to a good start. We understand the pause, but the team got off to a good start, and Binghamton's gotten off to a good start. So the plan that we've talked about is really unfolding in front of our eyes. Absolutely. So it's let's let's just get everybody back out on the ice now, so it can all be the synergy can be there. Yes, indeed. So that'll wrap things up for this edition of Speak of the Devils, presented by RWJ Barnabas Health, the official healthcare provider of the New Jersey Devils. Thanks to Mark Dennehy for joining us. Rob, thank you for spending time with us today, and Amanda, always good to see you. Thanks for your insights as well. And that'll wrap things up for the program. Thank you very much for your company today, everyone. We hope to see you soon. Be well, be safe. Until the next time, so long.